I get those goosebumps every time You come around, yeah You lose my mind, you make everything so fine Worry about those comments I'm way too numb, yeah It's way too dumb, yeah I get those goosebumps every time I need the hype Throw that to the side, yeah I get those goosebumps every time, yeah When you're not around me Throw that to the side, yeah I get those goosebumps every time, yeah 713 Cause it's one, yeah, I'm riding Why they on me? Why they on me? I'm flying Sippin' low-key I'm sippin' low-key and high And it's I get those goosebumps every time We don't half love that tune. I love it in the background. You just got everyone that's normally doing a little bit of a, a sly fist pump as the, as the tune's coming on. But welcome back to Loaded Mag NUFC uh, Away Days. We are here for the huge, huge preview um, for Thursday night's game. Newcastle United against Brighton and Abbey at St. James's Park. Um, here to discuss all things Newcastle United and... Uh, and to see, can we do what lots of people in the media are thinking we're not going to do, is get the three points. But look, I'm joined by uh, the main man, Chris Hall. How you doing, fella? All good, mate. All good. Yeah, really looking forward to having Adam on the show tonight. Um, <laughs> I'm very, very nervous over Thursday, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't quite know what, what Brighton to expect. Um, obviously, you know, with the, with the Everton results. And then the and then the Arsenal results, so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But yeah, I'm good, mate. I think I'm I'm just getting a little bit twitchy. Um, as everyone knows, I'm from Liverpool, and uh, all my Liverpool mates keep reminding me that they are very much still in the top four race. They are very much wanting top four, and they keep think, telling me that we're gonna bottle it. So I am a little bit twitchy, let's say. Uh, would you say it's squeaky bum time? <sighs> I mean, it shouldn't be. It's all in. It's in our hands. It's it. it you know, and there's nothing to suggest that we're going to bottle it. But yeah, it's it's a bit nerve wracking, isn't it? Because a, a few weeks ago we were looking at it, going, "Can't wait for top. Can't wait for Champions League football." And now, um, I'm just feeling that little bit nervous. Just that little bit. But look, uh, it's all in our hands. It is it's all in it our is. hands. It is. You know. We, we've got a game in hand on Liverpool. Uh, we win our next two games, which are at home. It gets us there. That is um, the uh, the mindset that I'm certainly in right now. And I think lots of other Newcastle fans are as well. And and look, the questions are already coming in the chat for Adam already. Um, they know what a fantastic guest he was last time. And it's a pleasure to have him back. But first of all, just a quick shout. Um, if you haven't already liked the show, Click the like button right now, uh, click the subscribe, and if you haven't already, click the notification bell. Uh, we don't normally say this, but click the notification bell because it gives you a notification when the next show is available, and therefore you can see all the things Loaded Mag and UFC, and there's a few things that are coming your way very, very shortly, so um, you'll be wanting to keep an eye on what's coming in Loaded Mag and UFC, and a massive welcome to everyone in the chat. Uh, just a few I can see on, on the 
on the, the chat screen right now, of course, um, our resident spanner, Lisa Moll, welcome as always. Uh, you've got Brett C, welcome Daniel Much in the chat. Uh, Paul Gallant, who always um, uh, puts the show out there for us, so massive thank you to you. Welcome in Jamie, Tom Dixon as always. Um, we've got Rich Joblin, um, um, welcome in as always. Michael Palmer, uh, Jason Scott. We've got Connie that's joining us and as well, Carl T, great to have him on the chat as well, Mark Todd and many, many others. Uh, well, where William Smith has snuck in there and Munch is snuck in there too. So great to have you in the chat. And I think I saw Yano further up there. Welcome, Yano. Great to have you back on. It's been a while. Um, so, yeah, uh, great to have you in the chat. And look, as always, we love to have the opposition view on away days this is what it's all about and it's a pleasure um to have adam from together bha coming and joining us uh probably still buzzing and celebrating after that outstanding result on sunday so welcome in adam how you doing i'm good how are you gents very very good very very good but we want to know how you're feeling right now because of course we did have you planned and, and and in place um, to join us for um, the, uh, the the battleground four, uh, the final four, um, and you were going to join us as a Brighton representative, but it all changed, and it all changed because of your monumental result and performance at the Emirates. How are you feeling right now? Well, <laughs> I don't. The last week was slightly weird, a bit of a roller coaster week as a Brighton fan, um, because. You know, during the planning of you doing that, like Champions League show, our sort of last fixture was obviously the Everton game. So the thought after that game of going on and discussing the idea that Brighton would play Champions League football was absolutely laughable because it didn't look like we were able to play bloody League Two football after that game. Um, so, yeah, but after Sunday, we're back to being happy again. So who knows what, what we'll be treated with over the course of the next few days here as, as Brighton fans. Definitely, and look, uh, the, the, uh, Chris. You know, from from an opposition fan and from a, a fan outside of both Brighton and Arsenal perspectives, you couldn't help but be impressed by by their performance, surely. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what it was? It was it was <laughs> it was the performance against Arsenal because it was fully deserved. And you know, winning winning three nil away from home, but you know, with the Emirates, that's that's not an easy thing to do, especially given the the. Um, the importance of the fixture for Arsenal. So for, for Brighton to do that, and then to add on to that as well, coming off the back of, of you know that that defeat against Everton, it was it was it was it showed that the, this side's got a bit of metal. They've got a they've got a little bit about them, um, and I just wish, <laughs> just wish, you know, if you said to me out of all the teams, maybe bar Man City and possibly Liverpool, that like Brighton would probably be first on my list for who I wouldn't want to play right now um, after that Arsenal result. Um, so yes, we're at home. Yes, I, I I should be feeling confident. I think I'm feeling confident, um, especially with it being an evening kickoff. You know, the atmosphere for the evening kickoffs always seem to be that a little bit more special. Um, and I did see a stat the other day saying that you know Eddie Howe. I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, Pete. Eddie Howe has never lost an evening kickoff uh, since he's been a manager of Newcastle. So I had lots of reasons to be confident, but. Um, yeah, I just, I just kind of wish that Arsenal, uh, sorry, that Brighton didn't perform like they did against Arsenal just before they play us. But we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, but you, uh, it's, it's impossible to know the, the addition of Brighton that you're going to get 
because mm. like if you'd have asked me at the start of last week it was funny on our previous show when we we podded before the uh before the everton game we were all like we're definitely losing to everton like we were because this is what brighton do we go out and the expectations are that we batter someone and we will get destroyed and then we get results from clubs we have no right of getting results from but if you just said to me on that previous sunday or next week you're playing everton uh, at home and playing arsenal away and you're going to concede five goals and score four, like predict how that's going to go down. You don't predict five, one versus Everton and three for Arsenal. So I, I don't know. I look at the rest of our fixture list and this outside of Southampton, it's an absolute nightmare. So I'm not yeah. looking forward to Thursday as is. Okay, interesting, interesting. So uh, the confidence may not be as high as, uh, as as we thought it might be. But but look, there's lots of positivity in the chat with regards to Brighton and there's an admiration of the type of football that you yeah. guys are playing right now. And, and look, I'm going to put the man that I think is responsible for this, but maybe you've got a different spin on this. And this is um, your manager, um, Deserby. And, and I just want you to talk about him. Um you know, you lost Graham Potter early on in the season. Everyone thought that Brighton, after a really positive start, were going to fall flat. What has he done since he's come in that's made you go on to even greater levels than I think anybody would th- would have thought you'd have done even under Graham Potter? Oh, that's a big question. But you're right. Like The, the answer is him. Uh There's a ton of changes that he's done, both in terms of tactics and then mentality. And I think you've kind of brought this up a little bit before when you think about how do you go from the Everton result to the Arsenal result? We don't do that with Graham Potter. Um, this is a guy that came out and there was some commentary from some of the players after the game. Dennis Indef came out and like he showed us videos of Michael Jordan talking about his resiliency and how he'd come back from losses after that Everton game, got us all in the right headspace for, uh, for the game against Arsenal and how, how much it meant to us. Member underground Potter, he did some amazing stuff. We went on these little streaks of wins. And then throughout like the season, we would have like five, six losses in a row and we couldn't get out of this slump. Deserby like gets these guys out of a funk instantly. But you also get these weird seesaw results because of the way the tactics work. When it works, it's incredible. And you get games like you got against Arsenal where it looks like you can beat anyone on their day. And then you come out against teams where they'll sit back and they'll defend deep and they'll play on the counter-attack. And that is Deserby. And that has been long-term Brighton's weakness. Uh, and that's exactly what Everton did. They had none of the ball, barely any shots and destroyed us. Interesting. Um, you know, what have you made of Deserby, Chris, uh, since he's come in? Like, is he, is, is he a manager that could potentially, uh, and, and look, we're going we're gonna to talk about this in a second. Is this a manager that could potentially get Brighton Champions League football and maybe even beyond. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I've been really impressed uh, since Deserby come in. I mean, the one thing I'd say, which I've, you know, kind of got in the back of my mind is that, you know, Graham Potter, like, put a lot of this squad together. If Deserby goes, goes now into next season and continues to produce something similar, then, you know, I suppose Brighton are going to be in the same position that they were with Potter, where they start going out, no one starts circling and trying to take him. Um, 
But overall, I'm just I'm just impressed with Brighton and in the way that they run as a club. I said the same not so long ago about Leicester. Obviously, that's that's turned, that's not turned out great. So hopefully, I haven't put the jinx on you there, Adam. But you know, <laughs> just the, just the way that the club is run, you know, they just constantly churning out these players. Like the other day, I was what I was watching Brighton and um, tell me if I pronounce this wrong. I probably will do. But is it is it Buenate? Buenanote. Yeah. Buenanote. Actually means yeah. good night. Uh, so, yeah, it's oh. easier to say. Oh. Oh, <laughs> but, um, you know, players like that, like I hadn't even heard of him. And then all of a sudden he's he's, he's, he's starting for Brighton or at least, you know, making appearances for Brighton anyway. And I'm thinking, like, where's where's he come from? He looks like a good player. And then you've got Nciso. It just seems like you've got a conveyor belt and you're just constantly churning it. And now when you, you know, even when you get to the summer, you're looking at players that other clubs are going to be looking at, you know, Casado, Mitome, Ferguson, McAllister. There's just all these players and you're thinking, God, they picked them up for relatively small amounts. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, they're turning, well, they're, they're going to be commanding big, big prices. And I suppose that the challenge for Deserbi in the summer is trying to keep this squad together. Can he keep the likes of Casado? Can he keep, you know, the, the other players that I've mentioned? And if he can... There's no, there's no reason why they can't go on and and do what they've done this season, but maybe better. I mean, if if Brighton, if if Brighton had had the Zerbi earlier, would he would he have done a vastly greater job than what you know, or made a greater start than what Graham Potter had made? Would would we would we be looking at Brighton as being, you know, um, would we all be trying to catch Brighton? Is what I'm saying, you know. I think I think being a Brighton fan now, it must be Adam. You must be excited for next season. Because if you add one or two yeah. players to your squad, bloody hell, where are you going to go? Yeah, but I'm I'm excited and terrified in equal measure. If you think yeah. about like yeah. exactly what you said, there's this conveyor belt. And by the way, the succession play, there's no mistake that Deserby was brought in. Uh, it, there are lots of managers that, that won a Premier League gig and they picked him. This is a guy that didn't have an extensive track record. He'd done some time in Italy and impressed He'd, he'd been at Shakhtar uh, at, for a brief period of time before, obviously, everything happened in Ukraine. Uh, but this wasn't a guy that everyone was pointing at, saying this, he should get a managerial job. No, he, f- he fit in with the, the club that, that Paul Barber and Tony Bloom have built. Yeah. But the conveyor belt of players is tricky. Like He came out, Deserbi came out and basically said, look, we're, we're, we're resigned to losing McAllister and Caicedo in the summer. We've all known that as fans for quite a while, and they won't be stopped from leaving as long as the price is right. Um, but that then, those are two big holes to fill, and that happened last year. But at a certain point, you start to wonder how how can how can we keep this pace up? You can't always pluck out some eighteen-year-old Paraguayan from some random league and think he's going to come in and set the world alight. So there's a there's a timing bit that's tricky, like how well can we keep the momentum up? Because you've only got to look at the bottom end of the table. And you look at sides that we've previously all said who've got an amazing system and process in place, Southampton, Leicester, so on and so forth. And they're about to, you know, it's going to go wrong. And these were sides that were sat in a completely different situation a few years ago and being praised for the same thing. So it's that's a long way of me saying there's a potential for really great stuff. And there's the potential that we've got to be concerned about how this works long term. No, I think that's a fair point. And, and look, um, Whilst whilst you're on a high, and whilst we're we're talking about it now, let's let's have a look at the at the league table because this is where it stands as of now. 
you've got two games in hand on Liverpool. Um, you've got one game in hand on uh, on both Newcastle and and Man United. I mean, look, the question I've got for you really is that with, with four games to go still for you, you know, is Champions League football a realistic opportunity for you? Is it something that you um, and the fan base believe uh, from a Brighton perspective that you can achieve? Uh, I can't speak for everyone. I think Champions League is probably a little bit of a push too far. I think everyone at the moment is collectively about let's get into Europe because that can still slip away, right? And I think it's what top seven that's going to make that and then because of the way the, the cup worked out. Yeah. Um, and you get what conference league in seventh place and, and so on and so forth. That's good. Like this is this is a club that we're not we're not experienced that. So the thought that you can just jump straight to the Champions League, like sure. That would be an incredible dream, but like we don't anything, anything would be amazing. Is kind of what I'm saying there, especially with the fixtures we've got left to play. It's not going to be an easy ride, and we've got to play you, Man City, Villa, um, Villa are right there as well. It's a lot can happen. Chris, what are you? What do you make of Brighton's chances um, of, of making Champions League football? Because you know we've talked about it briefly, but. A lot of people in the media are now talking about it. After that win at Arsenal at the Emirates, everyone's now saying, you know, um, I think I think it might have been the Premier League or, or it might have even been Sky Sports that put something out there today uh, with regards to, you know, uh, Newcastle, Man United um, and Liverpool with regards to that fight for top four. And I looked at it and everyone in the comments was saying, don't forget Brighton. Brighton are, are not out of this. Is that how, Is that what you think about this as well? Do you know what? It goes back to what we were saying um, on Battleground Europe the other night, Pete, in that, you know, when we talk about when we talk about potentially missing out, um, when we talk about potentially missing out on top four, we don't we've not been counting Man United in that conversation. We've just all assumed that Man United are gonna get top four. Like it's it's a straight shootout between Newcastle and Liverpool. In terms of Brighton. Um, we've kind of done the same, but in reverse. So nobody really speaks about Brighton. My only, my only, my only thing is, I would say it's probably unlikely that Brighton get top four. I'm not saying I'm not ruling it out. I'm not saying it's not possible because obviously it is. But I think, like Adam said earlier, I look at their fixtures and I just think, wow. Like you know, if we were if we were looking at Brighton now, and you know, <laughs> logically speaking, and um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Imagine if Brighton had beat Everton. And beat Arsenal, like I think now there'd be a serious conversation being had. Like we'd all we'd all be going, oh my god, you know, because Brighton Brighton have had a, a couple of games in hand now for quite quite some time. I just feel like I just feel like you know it, it's going to be a big uphill battle. If they didn't have such tough fixtures, I think I'd maybe I'd maybe you know consider it more seriously. But I I just can't see Brighton continuing to to win. What? Uh, how many games have you got left, Adam? Is it? Is it four you've got left? Four left, but yeah, yeah it's there's too it's many sides ask. vying there. There's too many sides vying for the stuff, you know. Like, well, this right, is right it. I mean, we've, we've stolen. We've stolen this from 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 uh, from you know from the old Sky Sports from Monday Night Football, um, and this is what it looks like right now. This is this is what um, you know the fixtures that are that's left. You know, Brighton have got. Yourselves, Adam. We got Newcastle. Obviously, it's on Thursday. You got Southampton at home, already relegated. You got Man City. Could already be champions by then um, if they get their result against Chelsea on Sunday. 
and then you end up at Villa Park. So you got those those fixtures there. Newcastle's obviously um, two home games in a row, then Chelsea away, and then you have got Man United and Liverpool. So who who's looks the easiest fixtures out of the out of that group? Um, who would you say? Everyone's but ours. <laughs> you know, I, I, I look. I don't. I don't. Wanna... They're already down. Uh, yeah. Well, so have Liverpool as well. I, I, I said on our podcast the other day. There's that. There's only. There's two dream fixtures left in this Premier League season, and two free wins. It's if you play. It's if you play Southampton. If you play Chelsea. Um, and I look at what you've got here, and you've got obviously who knows what's going to happen on Thursday. But I think you can all agree it's going to be a tricky game. It's not. There's no given there. Yeah, yeah. Leicester looked abject. They looked so awful after they conceded and completely fell apart against Liverpool the other day. They looked like they're resigned to going down. And Chelsea, I mean, was they they gave up what back in <laughs> the different year? So that like I, I feel like if you get a result against us, you are you're in a fantastic spot. Even even if you only get a point or whatnot. And you look at Man U, right? Like. There's sides here that they're playing. They've just got no skin in the game anymore, right? They're just kind of, oh, let's see if we can get anything out of it. And Liverpool's got one tricky game against Villa. Um, our only hope, I would say, is what can we get, you know, coming to you guys this Thursday? Let's hope that Southampton are fully, purely given up if they haven't already. And then I want to see the City youth team. That's what I want. Bring them out. <laughs> get, get on a bunch of players I've never heard of. That's what I want to see come from City. <laughs> you want the Carl Palmers and uh, yeah, and get anyone. I, I want the younger siblings of former player. Anyone, yeah, get them in. <laughs> yeah, is the younger sibling of Yaya Torre and Kolo Torre? Maybe, yeah, but anyone. I'll take anyway. Get some randos off the street. They can come in and play for the game. It's perfect. You could, you could, you could ring uh, Thomas Frank and ask if you can borrow Romeo Beckham. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. Just get a bunch of bunch of youngsters of former Premier League stars. They've got they've yeah. got one guy that's like the son of someone, haven't they? Anyway, but yeah, we'll see. That, but that I'll tell you the one that really is gonna is gonna is making every Brighton fan like shit themselves at the moment is that a Villa game on the final day? Because I think we all think to ourselves, is it gonna come down to that? Yeah. Because they're yeah, yeah, right yeah. there and they've yeah. There are different apps. Imagine speaking of if you had the same manager start the season. Imagine if those guys had Emery instead of Steven Gerrard at the start of the year. Huh? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, they've done really, really well. And look, just to add to that, you know, um, this is how it kind of looks at this moment in time uh, with regards to all the teams um, in this position. So this is the updated version. Um, and, you know, 71 points, there, there's the gap. Um, or, or there's the there's the bracket. Seventy one points guarantees Champions League football. Now it's saying that you are going to get um, as a maximum around seventy points. So that's really for Liverpool, Man U, and Newcastle to try and uh, try and get to that seventy points as and above as quickly as possible. Um, as you can see, Newcastle and Man U can still get a maximum of 75 points. Liverpool, a maximum of 71. Adam, you talked about that game against Villa at home on Saturday, I think it is. Um, that's going to be an interesting game for all parties. I think everyone yeah. is, is going to be watching that with interest. Because, look, let's face it, if, if Villa do all of us a favour... And I never thought I'd say this, but, um, yeah, Rich Sutherland, if, you, if you're watching from the Villa Park pod... Um, Best of luck. Don't let us down. 
but yeah, it, it could well be. Um, it could well be something that, that helps us along along the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Uh, you know, Chris, I'll come to you. Looking at that table there, you know, do you think it's going to take 71 points for either us, Man U or, or Liverpool to guarantee Champions League football? Because at that point, we can only as three teams can get 71 points or above. Before I answer, Pete, I'm really sorry. Like this, this table just gives me a headache every time I look at it. I, I need the, a tutorial. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many, there's so many permutations. I just keep looking at it. I'm like, well, could you throw the other one back on? Yeah. Um, because uh, I also the, wanted to. This yeah, one. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfect because <clears throat> I also wanted to talk about the as Adam's done there. You know about the remaining fixtures and where where I see potential banana skins. But yeah, I I think. 71 obviously guarantees it. So we we know as Newcastle fans, we need five points um, from the remaining three games. And for me, um, it, it's perfectly doable. I just feel like I just feel like next week's game is crunch. Is uh, sorry, next week's game, our game on Thursday is crunch because yeah. I, my my difficulty is yes, we should beat Leicester, and you know I I have no doubt that we will, especially having watched them. Um, I've watched them the, uh, last night against Liverpool. I have no doubt that we beat Leicester. I have issues around that Chelsea game. Uh, I agree with what Adam said and that Chelsea have been appalling. And you know, uh, but I I don't want to leave it to the last game of the season to need something. And I have problems with Chelsea in that, you know, you look at their eleven, and this team should be clicking. It hasn't clicked yet, and I have concerns. And I also think that the Chelsea players could potentially have Poch in the stands at that point. But, you know, maybe so they maybe. might want to impress him. And I'm also thinking that they owe they owe their fans. They owe their fans to send them off for the for the last game of the season at home at Stamford Bridge, and they need to put on put on a performance, in my opinion. So I I really don't like I really don't like that Chelsea game. So I I want this wrapped up by the end of the Leicester game. Um, and looking at the other fixtures as you were talking about earlier, like you know, you you you're thinking about Man City at home for Brighton. And you're thinking, yeah, they should rest a few players. The only problem is, I think that Haaland will be will be, you know, snapping at the bit to make sure that he's in the starting eleven because he will want to try and get as many goals as he possibly can, uh, so that no one will ever break his record ever again. Um, so I, I do believe, you know, that maybe Haaland will still play. I agree with Adam. You know, there will be a few youngsters out there or players on the fringe of the 25-man squad. But chances are, as we all know, even City's Reserve eleven is probably better than most most starting elevens in the Premier League, so that that is an issue for me. Obviously, the Southampton game should be picking up maximum points. Villa away, as Adam said, difficult game, very very difficult game, especially given what's what's at stake. Um, Liverpool's fixtures, you've got yeah, you've got Villa. That's probably the most difficult game. Although um, maybe Southampton will want to want to give their fans a bit of a swan song for the last game. Who knows? I'd love them to. But um, it's it's probably unlikely. So I suppose it's that Villa game that we're looking at and hoping they drop points. And Man United, yeah, you just look at it, don't you? I mean, I can't see, I cannot see, um, I cannot see Chelsea getting anything at Old Trafford. I, I don't think that one's going to be possible. I think they will wave the white flag for that one. Fulham, possibly Mitrovic is back. I don't know, but again, you'd expect them to beat that, especially last game of the, of the season at home for Man United. And then Bournemouth away. 
Bournemouth, Bournemouth are on the beach now, aren't they? Bournemouth have done their job, fantastic job in staying up. You don't um, know. So... They all very hit and miss Bournemouth. Like you get one they game are. where they got absolutely hammered by West Ham at their own place four 0 yeah. and then yeah, you get yeah. other games where they'll turn teams, you, they'll, they'll, they'll turn teams over, and, oh. and like it's it's a strange one. Adam, you probably know more, but like obviously with them being rivals to you guys. Or something. Oh, I hate playing Bournemouth, and they are. <laughs> Uh, they were one of, like, in all honesty, of every single game this year, they they are probably top five in terms of most toughest opposition we played when, played when we last played them. I thought they were fantastic, um, but yeah, I don't know whether I think you're probably right in a sense that like, oh, they've they've done their job now, haven't they? Like they're they're, they're staying up. Do they still are they still going to have that fight in them? That's a tough ask. Definitely, and uh, someone's put in the chat as well. Uh, Mitro did score last week uh, against Southampton. He's back, um, oh, so yeah, he, he scored against Southampton to send oh, him down. Nice. So okay. um, there could be a little bit of revenge there after the FA Cup game. We we said yes. on uh, maybe yes. Battleground Europe that they could be up for it. Um, who, who would think that every like you said, every everyone's talking about Newcastle dropping out and and Liverpool replacing Newcastle, but who's to say that? Man United don't drop out and uh, you know drop some points. Um, someone's put in the chat that Rashford and Sabitzer are out for the season. I didn't know Rashford was out for the season, so I don't know if that's been confirmed. We we discussed this on the last on the Battleground Europe show, didn't we, Pete? Because yeah. like Rashford missed the last game, and Ten Hag's been very cagey. He hasn't really seen, because Ten Hag's not going to come out and go Rashford out for the season. I just yeah. highly doubt that he would say that. Um, but you know he was completely out the squad. Um, I mean, it's a big miss for them, isn't it? It's a really big miss. But with those fixtures remaining, I just wish they had like a Villa away or something. That'd be quite nice. Or, you know, a Tottenham away where Tottenham are, you know, trying to trying to prove that they've still got it. And again, they owe their fans, you know, because of the way they fell away. Um, maybe Kane wants himself in the shop window. Who knows? But yeah, I just look at the fixtures and I just think of all of all the teams remaining, I think Man United have got the cushy. Chelsea Man United have got the cushy. Chelsea at home? It could. It could. It could. But, um, I think Chelsea are going to be bang up for our game because they're at home and it's the last game and they're going to, as I say, they're going to want to repay the fans. And they've still got that individual quality, haven't they? You still look, you know, they've got Jao Felix up front, you know, Mudrick, Enzo Fernandez, all these players that they've signed. And yes, it hasn't worked for them. And yes, it hasn't clicked. But I just, I just worry about that game. I really, really do. I'll go from the other end of describing Bournemouth, though. This might make you feel a little bit better. <laughs> Chelsea on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, we could. I wish we could have played that game thirty-eight times. They, they were so bad, and they, their players like like visibly couldn't be bothered, like including Jao Felix. A bunch of them, like they did. They and look, I, I, I think they're a worse side with Lampard than if they just got the janitor to like come in and whatever the, <laughs> the, the tea ladies come Thank in and, and, and managing them. Like he is a curse more than anything else. So uh, I, I think if it makes you feel a little bit better on the whole, yes, you've got some tricky games, but look at where you are. You start off in the best position. Your goal difference compared to Man U's is yeah. massively better. Yeah. Um, and Man you have been, they lost to West Ham, they lost to us. They, They've not been that impressive. Adam, can we do another show before Thursday? I think it's going to make me feel better. You know what I mean? yeah, after Thursday, I might change my tune a little bit. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But I, I want to talk to you about some um, uh, 
some uh, Brighton players because um, you know some some of these players have really stood out, and I want to get your thoughts, and, and, and we'll shoot through a few of them um, uh, as it is. But um, just really quickly, thank you to everyone in the chat that's put some great questions in and great points into the chat. We are keeping an eye out on them. Um, and again, if you haven't clicked that like or subscribe or get the notification bell, uh, please make sure you do that. Do that now as soon as possible. That is for sure. Um, right, a couple of players here. Like there's the, there's there's one key player um, that you know he seems to be doing the business for you at this moment in time, and it's uh, this guy. Talk to us about his rise at Brighton. Uh, because he just seems like he's getting better and better every game that he plays. And, um, you know, what is it that makes him stand out so well in this Brighton team? Uh, he is absolutely electric. And this this was a guy that uh, was playing in the Belgian league last year. And, and Brighton have got a... This is standard Brighton process, right? Tony Bloom's got another club, Union Saint-Gerrois, over in Belgium. And we sort of use that as a way to get... Uh, English visas for some of the players that we signed that otherwise wouldn't get them and be able to go straight into the Premier League. And that's what we did with Matoma. Um, he wasn't starting earlier in the year. So I think when we played you right at the start of the year, he came on as a sub under Potter. Uh, and frankly, he's like basically not left the team ever since. And he, his ability to go round anyone, aside from Wan-Bissaka, is, is amazing. And then he's got the ability and the awareness to do something with the ball once he's got round them. Uh, and we've, we haven't had that in recent history. Uh, and he's just a difference maker. Like he's a guy where if you want the ball at anyone's feet on this team to get you back into a game, it is him. Uh, incredible dribbler of the ball, incredible like gift. And he's fast as hell. Uh, he's, yeah. he's the full, th full package. Wow, he's um, he's he's already been linked with other teams, and then this is probably the last thing that you're you're thinking about right now. Um, do you genuinely think there's a chance that he could leave in the summer with you potentially getting on the end of European football, or do you think he's got another year at least, you know, at Brighton before that becomes any sort of distinct reality? Uh, and by the way, if all your listeners are very welcoming and polite, it's nice. Um, yeah, so the uh, Deserbi after the game the other day, right? He said, We're probably going to lose McAllister and Kaiseido. Matoma is, is not ready to go yet. Um, and he referenced someone else, and I'm, I'm, the name's escaping me, probably Ferguson. But that tells me then he, he basically said he's not ready for the play at a higher level. Uh, this is a guy who's a little bit older. Uh, he didn't start playing until he was a little bit older. Um, could he leave? Could someone buy him? Yeah, like Brighton will sell any player if they get what they think is good value. Uh, I don't think he'll leave this year because if you start to, if you're selling Caicedo and you're selling McAllister, just those guys alone, you're probably looking at north of 160, 170 plus for both of those guys for the, the numbers that are being thrown around. Don't really need to. You've already sold Trossard in January. You already last summer got rid of Kukurea for a fortune to Chelsea. You sold Eve Basuma to Spurs. Uh, you got 20 million for getting Grand Potter out. So yeah. this is not a club that needs money uh, right now. We've got plenty of money and we've already spent some of it on some new signings. So I don't, that's, I don't think he leaves this summer. He could, but I don't think he leaves. 
Interesting. Chris, does... I, I was just going to say, can I just, I, I was listening when I, when I popped away, but yeah, um, I just, I've got to give a shout out to my youngest lads because um, I, I, Adam will be able to tell me, but um, Matoma, when he first came in, you know, to the to the starting eleven, not starting, but you know, he was making appearances. He, he, we were sat on the couch one day and watched, and he was going, "Hey, that that hey, that number twenty two looks good. He looks decent. Him, what's his name?" And we were saying Matoma. Never heard of him. We both play FIFA, and um, we'd never heard of Matoma. Never heard of him before. Yeah, yeah. And he he was going to be. He looks really good. He looks really good. So then every time Brighton were playing, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch Matoma." And then he came into the starting eleven, and you know absolutely agree with what you're saying Adam like there's very very few players in the league that I can think of who play on the wing who are so direct and they just run like we, we we've seen it so many times this season and he just runs at players doesn't he and defenders look absolutely petrified and I suppose what I wanted to ask you was you're saying about him not not moving on and I see what you mean you know it, it probably is too soon Um, you know it he'd probably look to have you know a another season at least with Brighton, especially if you're getting European football. But what I, what I would ask is, we saw the big price for Kukurea, we saw the big price for Basuma. What how much how much do you think is a silly price? Or what what where would it have to start for you for the owners to even um to even consider selling Matoma? God, I didn't so Brighton famously never so any leaks you ever hear about Brighton saying numbers they never ever say a number it's all the onus is always on the buying club to make an offer and then it comes down to barber and the whole rest of the crew to decide whether that's acceptable um you can only go on the sort of leaks that you get from agents and things like that where they've heard that maybe this is the right area and that's why we get these numbers like 70 for McAllister and maybe north mm. of that for Caicedo to me Caicedo is the, the best player that's that's probably ever worn a Brighton shirt um Wow. Matoma is a little bit older uh, than, than Kaiseido, uh, but he's been an incredible player this year. So maybe you're talking around those numbers, but the, the answer is only with, with Bloom and Barber. Um, there's the, the signings that we've already come in are, are coming in to sort of make up for probable departures, right? So we've signed Jal Pedro already from, from Watford for a club record fee for 30 million. Now he's going to be able to operate in kind of that role behind the striker a little bit and maybe replace a McAllister when he goes. Uh, Milner's coming in and then Dahoud is about to sign on a free transfer from Dortmund. Yeah. And he'll probably, I, you know, yeah. play, be, play. So we've, you know, a lot of depth coming in there. Yeah. So you can see we're already getting ahead of the business because you imagine you come into this, this summer and you've sold those two players for a fortune. The price goes up for every player that Brighton are trying to sign. So that's why there's some of this business has been done early, but yeah, I don't, I don't think you could buy Matoma. I don't, I don't know what silly money is, but if you guys want to put a bid in, we'll see what it, we'll see what happens. What what do you think, Pete? <laughs> from an outsider's point of view, by the way, me and Pete were laughing then, Adam, not because of what you said. No, no, it was because no. Pete was doing the chat. I was taken back over the chat, and Pete was still doing the chat. <laughs> that's why we were laughing. We double clicked. Pete, um, whatever works. Out. It, no. it, it, and it was even more funny because it, it, it landed on this comment, which is absolutely right. Uh, Deserby would be mad to go to, to Spurs, uh, and he would be. Um, he would, so yeah. yeah. He would. Uh, th but that's a separate conversation. He is a bit mad, though, to be fair, so we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> oh, mate, surely not that mad. Um, yeah, true. But if you, if, you were, if you were the Brighton owner, Pete, and you, you're looking at, you're looking at um, 
you know, you're looking at Matoma and obviously based on what Adam said, and also the fact that he's mentioned João Pedro, um, you know, João Pedro's coming in and a couple of others. Like, what, what we, if, if, if Matoma was a Newcastle United player and we were in Brighton's position, I know it's all theoretical, but what, how much would you, would you think is a fair price for Matoma or where would you want the, the, the figure to start and then look upwards from? Um, a fair price for Matoma right now, from a Newcastle perspective, I would say, and look, Adam, you're probably going to disagree with me on this, but I would say, I would say around the 50 million mark, 50 to 55 million. Um, and the reason being is because, and actually, I think Matoma's credentials are even better than the players that have gone for this sort of price. But I look at the likes of Richarlison that's gone for 50 million. Yeah, sure. he, went, he went to Everton for 50 million, then went for 60 million. For me, Matoma is a better player. I, I genuinely believe that uh, from what I've seen him play and from what his skill set is. Um, you know, Guilfrey Sigerson went for 50 million to Everton. And this is probably just Everton because they're just crazy and they just signed <laughs> stupid players for stupid money. But like, I'm looking at players like that and I'm just thinking, well, what he's done in the league so far, around 50, 55 million. But if you give it another year, and he does that again. I think Adam's in the ball, right ballpark in terms of looking north of that sort of fee. And, 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 and why not? Because he is a player that everybody's going to want. And I'm not just talking about the Premier League. I'm talking European football as well. Nobody is going to be wanting to lose out on a player of that sort of ability. So it could well be that a team goes, you know what? Not necessarily Newcastle, but I love him at Newcastle. It, it'd be a case of they'll go, you know what? Before all the all the other teams come in, let's go and put the money down and get him now before he becomes crazy money next year. Yeah, because we're yeah. confident that he's going to do the same again, and we'd rather him do it in our team than 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 Brighton's, and they get an extra thirty forty million. So it could be that, and teams do do that sometimes. So it, it's it's one of those it's one of those things. It's an interesting one. Um, but that's Pete, I've stumbled. I've stumbled across this question on the bottom, and Adam, I, don't, I hate to put you on the spot, Adam, but uh, what's what's all this about a Deserby song? I'm sure I don't know if he has a song. My my favourite song still goes back to the Cucurea like, song when he was there. Ah, oh, brilliant! You, you know, the, all about Paye and Australia, but I, you know that one doesn't won't get sung as much anymore. But nah, he's the. I mean, he's. I think he's probably done his knees in. He, if he doesn't have about five, six songs at the moment, he will get them now after him sliding with a knee slide the other oh. day at, at the Emirates. So uh, yeah, and someone's put there Tony Bloom as a poker player. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, him and the Brentford Brentford owner both have a big big poker back, and that's where his other company. Uh, I can't remember the name. It's like Starlid and stuff or whatever. That's where he gets all the player data. So all this data of how Brighton find all these players. Like Tony Bloom's got all this. That's the magic uh, where they find all these like hidden gems in these random leagues. I do love a bit of poker. I've got to be honest. I've not played it for years. Texas Hold'em. Oh, yeah. You know I feel like I need to poker night with the boys and just get it all together because uh, you just mentioned it. But that's a separate conversation. Just really quickly before we move on to match day and, and we look at things in a little bit more detail, I want to ask you just really quickly, Adam, about this player um, and Cisco. Um, scored the goal at the Emirates. Brilliant, brilliant player. 
However, he did look like he picked up an injury. I mean, yeah. I don't know if anything's come out of, of that. He, you know, he looked like he really couldn't carry on. Is he going to be an injury concern for Thursday? Maybe because he, he, he sort of, I thought he was faking it because he's a bit, Enciso's been amazing uh, and he's come in and we hadn't seen much of him. Uh, he's, he's a youngster and he's done incredible stuff. Like his ability on the ball is really, really good. He's still like, he's, he needs a lot of molding. Like he doesn't, he's not fit into the Brighton passing game just yet. I think his pass accuracy was somewhere like down in the 60% the other day against Arsenal. He'll try and do something ridiculous. But why I like him is he's a bit of a he's a bit of a ratty player. Like what I mean by that is we've always been a bit of a nice side and he brings a bit of edge to us. Uh and he'll go down and he'll make a fuss out of stuff and he'll roll around and we need a bit of that like wiliness. We've missed that. Um he went down with what seemed like a pretty bad cramp more than anything else. And I think he came off as a bit more of a precaution. I don't know. We haven't had like a big injury report come out, but there's a lot of question marks for Thursday. Uh, Joel Veltman's status, our like right back, our regular right back. Obviously, Tarek Lamperty's been out for a long time. So that's why we're playing any old player at right back at this point. He's the next guy that was going to bring up. Um, what has happened with Tarek Lamptey? Uh, like, yeah, it's what's really going on? bad. Nah, he, he's he's just uh, he never properly came back from his long term injury. The same player, uh, and he never it never looked like he had that full burst of pace. We saw it in short spurts, but he would never play more than like thirty minutes in a game, uh, and that was. And then he re-injured himself and we've not seen hide nor hair of him. It's really mysterious around what his situation is. He nearly left the club in January. There was talk about him going over to Portugal, weirdly, um, which would have been surprising because he was two years ago, he was incredible. And then it's just been, it's been tough for him with injuries. Um, but yeah, and there's other, obviously Lalana's out. He might come back at some point. Uh, we are in a, you know, Danny Welbeck probably will get injured between now and Thursday as well. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> he's the worst for injuries, isn't he? Danny yeah, Welbeck. him and Adam Lallana probably got a little competition going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, another player, um, I was really surprised when I saw this the other week, um, and it's continued. It wasn't even in the squad. You probably know the reason why, and it's Sanchez. Yeah. we played last season when he he got sent off um for hacking down Callum Wilson at, at the Amex um uh, Eddie Howe was in the stands but just before he was about to um sign for Newcastle as, as manager and uh, you know it was it, I was surprised to not see him because I rated it I really rated him as a goalkeeper but is he injured is there something else going on what's what's the situation with Sanchez because you've got stealing goal at the moment yeah, and Steele's a bit of a weird one, right? He's a bit of a journeyman. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, someone's met Adam Webster was injured as well. Yeah, we've got a horrible mm. list of injuries, and that's why we're playing a bunch of kids that have sort of, you know, just got out of uh, school. Uh, a lot of youngsters in the team at the moment. But yeah, Sanchez has been a victim of basically like, Deserby's way is the only way of doing things. Uh, and Deserby's demands of what he wants from a goalkeeper is comfort in playing out with his feet and being able to basically like dictate the whole tempo of the game. And if you, I'm sure most everyone watched the Arsenal game, probably the main one of the main things you noticed was how much he set up every single attack. 
And this is a guy that like, yeah, Rob Sanchez is a great shot stopper. He was in the Spain squad, like all that. But what he wasn't good at was every time he would get pressured by uh, a bunch of attackers from the other team, he would scuff his pass or he would make a mistake and he wasn't able to like set up those attacking moves, which is what Deserbi is all about. Deserbi is about inviting pressure on. And as soon as you step out of position and someone's out of the place, the ball goes to three different people and you're up the pitch and you've got a mismatch. There's, we've got more numbers on the attack than, you, than you've got on defence. Sanchez wasn't good about finding those gaps. Steele is very good. And you saw when Xhaka nearly got the ball by about five centimetres the other day. That's the difference because Brighton were then at the other end of the pitch two seconds later with an attacking opportunity. That's why Steele plays. Interesting. Yeah, his distribution was very, very good um, against Arsenal. I was really impressed. And I think Gary Neville on commentary was like shocked and, and astounded by not, not the way Brighton played, but his distribution because he really did set off attacks time and time again. And I'll be honest, I've seen him at many, many a club and I've never seen him distribute the way he does. So he's clearly um, grasped the way that Zerbi wants to, wants yeah. to play. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, we'll talk about other players um, uh, in a second. We'll come back to them. Um, but look, as we build into the match day, um, there's only one way to do this, and it's um, it's time for Doctor Doom. Evening, lads. I like magic. Here what an intro. I, it's especially intro, Adam. You, you, <laughs> your first time experiencing it. Um, I, welcome to the chat uh, and welcome to the show. Um, Dr. Doom, Jaws, whichever Bond villain you want to call him. But we know him as 00 Stato, Keith Rowe. How, how are you, my man? How's things? I'm very really good, thanks. That's another one there for the uh, reactions. That reaction compilation to guests, isn't it? <laughs> At the end of the season, clip it, man. We're racking but, them up. Uh, Adam is just one to another list. Every guest that we have, the reactions <laughs> are all different. Uh, we love it. We love it. And welcome in. So, and look, as we build to the game, Keith, um, what stats have you got for us this week? Well, Brighton versus Newcastle. Always a struggle to predict because there's only been 31 meetings between the two clubs. Um, so I've got... Quite a few stats here. Um, head to head, um, manager, but I've got quite a lot of individual stats on this one and a few general ones on this one. So I'll just uh, make a start. Um, Newcastle, all time record in the fixture. They've played 31 games against Brighton. They've won 10, they've drawn 9, and they've lost 12. So a slight advantage there to Brighton. In the Premier League, Newcastle have only beaten Brighton once. Um, they've played 11 games, they've won one, drawn six, and they've lost four against Brighton. Eddie Howe, his managerial record against in games against Brighton, although, again, I always emphasise this, this is predominantly weighted towards his Bournemouth days, managed 18 games, 10 wins, five draws and three defeats, um, averaging 
well over a point a game against Brighton. Goalkeepers, um, Nick Pope has um, 13 clean sheets for Newcastle this season, and that compares with um, uh, six for uh, Robert Sanchez and um, Jason Steele, six clean sheets each. Um, Players as well, moving on to some player stats, Alexis McAllister, 12 goals, and Keoro Matoma, 10 goals each um, for uh, Brighton this season. They're the top goal scorers. Um, Callum Wilson, he's scored four in 10 games against Brighton, and he also has three assists. Um, and also a point on uh, Callum Wilson, 17 goals at the weekend. His two goals took him to 17 goals. is the most by a Newcastle player in a single Premier League season since Alan Shearer back in 2003-04 when Shearer got 22 goals. Um, so he's, he's turning out. It's turning out really well for Callum Wilson in the recent games. He's having his best ever return for Newcastle. Um, Moses Casero, um, he's committed the most fouls in the Premier League this season with 58 go- uh, fouls so far. And that's just ahead, though, of Joe Linton, who's in second place with 57 <laughs> fouls for, uh, for Newcastle. That's so they're neck and neck. Says, they're neck and neck. It's going to be a tasty game, isn't it, really? Um, Lewis Dunk, he's completed the most, successfully completed the most passes in the Premier League this season with 3,007 completed passes. Um, some general stats um, here, uh, just to round off things a little. Um, since recording 12 clean sheets in their first 20 Premier League games this season, Newcastle have only kept one clean sheet in the past uh, 15 and have not kept a clean sheet in the last eight since beating Man United. Um, so again, you know, Nick Pope, he'd been doing brilliantly and, um, you know, he was in for the Golden Gloves and that's obviously been won by um, David Ahir at the weekend, hasn't it, I believe? You know, the, but there's 15 clean sheets. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit of a shame because that would have been some personal glory for some for Nick Pope if, if he just kept on to that 13 and built on it. Um, Newcastle's home form this season. Newcastle are sixth in the Premier League on home form. Um, they've got 10 wins, five draws, two defeats, um, 35 points um, from 17 games, scoring 32 goals in those games. Um, Brighton. Uh, they've got one of the best away records in the Premier League this season, just like Newcastle have with eight wins, um, four draws and five defeats. 28 points from 17 games, scoring 33 goals in those games. So Brighton are doing really well. And a couple more player um, stats here, facts to round off the stats. At 19 years and 111 days, Brighton's Julio and CCO became the second youngest visiting player to score a Premier League goal at Arsenal's Emirates Stadium on Sunday after Raphael for Man United way back in November 2008. He was the uh, youngest at 18 years and 122 days when he scored at um, the Emirates. And Denis Undav, um, he scored three goals in his last four Premier League uh, appearances for Brighton, having... Um, broken his uh, duck after um, failing to find the net in his first 14 um, appearances in the competition and that rounds off the stats and facts for tonight. Good, Keith. Keith, as always, 
brilliant stats um, to to get us in the in the mood for the game on Thursday. And there's some, you know, as always, balanced stats either way um, for for both clubs, and, and we really really appreciate it. It's, <laughs> it's going to be really really interesting. Um, how this kind of works out. But yeah, you are right, Yano. Best data on YouTube, no doubt about yeah. it. Absolutely, Absolutely spot on. Um, I'm not sure, um, have you got sort of five, ten minutes, Adam? Um, I've got five, ten, but I want to ask on the stats because this is interesting, it. right? The 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 Eddie Howard, because I used to hate us playing Bournemouth. I still, I still do. But there was something about how's Bournemouth that I despise playing against. And I think someone mentioned in the chat earlier, we talked about how Brighton are a lot better against sides that tend to come out and push up because it plays into the game plan. Mm. Uh, and that's why we tend to do better against the bigger teams. Well, you guys are a, a bigger team. So are we going to see the how of what he learned at Bournemouth when he was playing, managing a smaller team and he would sit back and that would be a nightmare for Brighton? Or are we going to see how managing a big team and push out and come up and play into Brighton's hands because that's that's going to be the difference in the game for me and I, I, I'm intrigued to see how that plays out. It's a really, really interesting point as well, Adam, because when we factor in, you know, it's an evening game, love evening game at St. James's Park and the crowds are going to be wanting us to really push and have a go at Brighton. So that's a really, it's a really, really interesting point, that. And quite nicely, this is why I wanted to ask you how long you've got because I wanted to bring us up to the tactics board uh, mm. to, to, to talk about this. Now, this might not be the team that you think is going to be out there, um, uh, Adam. So, uh, any changes to your team? And you talked about Webster potentially being injured, uh, Colwell uh, potentially coming in um, uh, into defence. Is this how you maybe see the team, or do you think maybe one or two changes are going to be made? Yeah, well, we've got so many games going on, and um, because we've got to play, uh, you know, at the weekend as well. We've obviously played two last week, um, so there's he Deserby's not scared about switching things up, and that's why you've seen like Billy Gilmore come in a few games if you if you've been watching any Brighton. Dennis Undav never starts, uh, so he won't be in there. Uh, I would say that what you probably would see is maybe Evan Ferguson play up top and with Danny Warbeck sat a little bit behind him. Okay. Um, Solly March would normally be on the right side, but, yeah. you know, it's that's, that's injury problem. Colwell will play on the left of that centre-back pairing yeah. uh, and he was magnificent against Arsenal. Incredible. I'm going to be really annoyed to send him back to Chelsea at the end of the season. They're going to and, take him back, aren't they? Uh, yeah, as the, it'll be the one transfer decision they'll make a good decision on. Uh, unfortunately, people at Chelsea see him as better than, than what like they've already got. They see him better. They see him as better as than Wesley Fofana, who they paid seventy million for. The likes of Paddy yeah. Shule, who they paid God knows how much for. They actually see him as better than the players that they spent over a hundred million on, which is which is crazy, really. But. It'd be a massive blow to, to you guys because he's been so good for you this season. Well, especially with like Adam Webster's injured a fair amount. You've obviously got our former <laughs> centre back that would come in, the the, the old giant. Uh, yes. But um, uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a big hole to fill there in the, in the back line when Colwell goes. But yeah, I've been exciting as an England fan, nineteen uh, year old, really really good centre back. But yeah, this is pretty much probably how I'd see it going down. With I, I hate that Caicedo is having to play right back. Uh, he is 
one of the best pivot pairings, and we have to play him there because we don't have a right back. But but this uh, this is what I wanted to ask you, and this is something that I've noticed with Brighton over the, certainly over the last two or three games, um, and it feeds into what teams are doing now. In that you know, Liverpool have been lauded in praise for what they're doing with Trent Alexander Arnold in pushing a right back into midfield to almost make it like this. Mm-hmm. and that they're strengthening this midfield. And I watched Brighton very closely on Sunday, and they almost played like this. We know he's a, he's a defensive midfielder, and they're almost pushing him into this position. And then when the attack comes about, so you know any player that's coming down this way, he covers that space, and he covers it really well. Now, we've seen an upturning form in Trent Alexander-Arnold for doing just that. And... Is, is that a tactical move or is that just purely because of injury? Because I'll be honest, it looked like it's working a treat for Brighton with Casado there because he's got the energy and the work rate and the ability to tackle, to get back into that position and do that job really, really well. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think you make a really good point. And it's been, um, I've, I've said for quite a while about Trent at Liverpool. So like, you've got an incredibly gifted player playing in the wrong position. Uh, and like it's, it, it's almost, I saw him for so long as like more of a, what he's doing now, or play him in the Beckham role. Like the guy can do anything with that, that right foot and you're playing and making him do all the defensive stuff. And so, yeah, that's been a great change for them. The Kai Soto's ability to do this is because he's got endless, endless energy. So uh, if, if you watch towards the end of the Arsenal game, there's a point where he's up left wing in the like 90th minute for some unknown reason. But the 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 way in which Deserbi has the players move around the pitch at any point when in possession, and this is the benefit when you go in pretty much every game with 70% possession, you get control over where everyone's going to be. Downside is quick breaks. And, and, and that's why whoever you've got playing on that left wing at that point, when Brighton are pushed up in possession on the left and the right-hand side, because Estupinian will be bombing down that left wing as well, You've got to rely on Caicedo to then get back in place in the right-hand time. And he doesn't, that's not guaranteed. The other player that will play right back sometimes is Pascal Gross. Gross is an incredible football player. He's one of the slowest men alive. Uh, so <laughs> any pace against him is tricky as well. And, you know, Joel Veltman's playing there if we could have him, uh, but he's, he's out injured. And we talked about yes. Tarek Lamptey as well. So we're on the, our fourth choice player in the right-back position at the moment, which is not ideal. Definitely. And um, I've got Buonanotte. Buonanotte, yeah. Buonanotte. I've got him playing there purely because Enciso, Enciso, um, uh came off injured. So I assume that he might not play, which is why I kind of had him on the bench for, for that reason. But that was a yeah. really interesting point of view. Now, there's a few in the chat going, Wilson and Isaac can't play together. And don't stress, I haven't moved the Newcastle team from the last game. And so... This is what I think the Newcastle team is going to be. And I'm gonna ah, Pete, I was going to, I was going to jump in. You know, you were going to ask me, you were going to say, "What's my team?" And that's the only change I would have made. Exactly, yeah. what you just done. I hadn't moved the Newcastle players, and, and, and yeah. that, and, and the reason was is because um, um, 
I was kind of focused on how Brighton were going to set up. But actually, this is how I think we're going to set up on Thursday now. Yeah. You know, uh, given your reaction, Chris, I, I believe that you may be in agreement with that. Talk to us about Newcastle's team, if it is that setup, and, um, and, and where we could potentially win the game, maybe against Brighton. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very, very conscious of Adam's time, so I'll briefly run through this, but back four remain the same. Obviously, Pope speaks for himself. I don't think he'll change the midfield up, and I don't really think he's got many options to change the midfield up. As much as we'd like to see Sean Longstaff back, I don't think he's going to be. Um, but that front three, that's where it changes. I think Miggy Almiron needs to come out. I want to see Jacob Murphy in there. I want the balls in the box. I think it's time to put Jacob Murphy back in. I never thought I'd ever say that this season, but here I am. Um, so I want to see Miggy, uh, I want to see Murphy out on the right. I think it's time to unleash Salon St. Maximum. To the Thursday night, I've said that, I've been saying this nearly all season, Adam. Thursday night is the night that I'm hoping Alan St. Maximum pops. This this is the night. He, he's got the crowd in front of him. It's an evening game. It's most people would see this as a must win. Certainly, if we want to, if we want to really, you know, put one one foot in that in that Champions League um, in that Champions League position. Um, I think now is the time, and especially after what Adam's just been speaking about, Casado. He's um, just to add in as well, very quickly on Casado. I think he's been very, very professional in the way that you know he was clearly wanting the move to Arsenal. He came out, and, which I thought was absolutely bizarre. Whoever recommended him to do that, God knows who. Um, but the way that he's just gone about his business, he's kept his mouth shut, and he's been performing really, really well for Brighton. I think that you know that's credit to him. Could have down tools, which we've seen other players do. Not saying that's the right thing to do, but we have seen it happen. Um, but yeah, I think with Casado being fourth choice right back, as Adam said, I think there's an opportunity there. If Casado's in that defensive midfield role, Pete, get get the ball to Alan St. Maximum and get him running at the likes of Lewis Dunk. That that for me, that's where that's where the pressure the pressure point could be and where we could could see us win the game. Um that, that for me, yeah, that's that's the main one. His ability to provide the the unexpected yeah. could be something in which Casado struggles with. Now, what you could potentially happen, and this is us kind of thinking, you know, out the box here, is that Alice at Maximum runs at Casado early on, commits him to, to get a foul, gets an early yellow card. He's then struggling because he knows he's on a yellow card and he can't commit in the same way he can do. So if I was Eddie Howe, that's what I'd be looking at. Alisson Maximum, run at Casado. Can you commit him in order to, to win a foul or win a, win, win a free kick in a position where you're, you're, you're getting your player booked early on, which most wingers do. That, that's their aim, is to commit their, their full-back into making a foul in which they get booked because, because then... They can run at them at will and they know that any type of contact could result in a red card. If yeah. not, if we see this, a Newcastle break at will, as you've said, Chris, it's one-on-one -on -one with Duncan. And Dunk is a fantastic defender, but um, to deal with the quickness of, of a, a ASM will be interesting to see. But um, that's that's another factor in the game. What I will say is, is, is the reason why, and some people have said, you know, um, Wilson and Isaac can play in the same team. Of course they can. They, they, they can. can. Yeah, they can. Um, you know, they, they showed, you know, Wilson scored two penalties. Isaac won two penalties. Um, however, 
Isaac, I think, pace-wise, could really, in trickery, could really cause some problems in here, certainly in and behind. And I don't know how deep or how high up your defensive line is, Adam, but I think it's something that we could potentially exploit, as would be the pace of Murphy running at Estepan um, uh, up on this right-hand side for Newcastle here. And I just think that it could be a really, really good battle. I'm not saying that we're going to win it and it's going to be easy, not at all. I think it's going to be a battle, but they're just some of the things um, that I think that we could benefit from. But Keith, anything to add in there that we haven't already said with regards to those and maybe some players coming off the bench? I agree with the points Chris Hall was making there about uh, Murphy. I think it's time to bring Murphy back in the team. Um, I think he's, I've said it on previous shows, I think him and um, Longstaff are the most improved players of the season. Um, so I would put definitely feel happier seeing Murphy in the team. Um, interesting one about Isaac as well, because Isaac in the last four games hasn't scored, and it's been Wilson who's actually been in form, isn't it? You know, um, I do. I am skeptical about starting them both together. I sort of, I'm slightly agree with the chatters tonight. Um, I'm, I'm happy if the game's sort of like you're a couple of goals up and. Wilson comes on off the bench or one comes off the bench and they play together that way. But I'm not as confident when they're starting together um, with that. But maybe this is the game where, you know, Wilson gets rested again. It's hard It's hard to find the, an argument for that, though, when he's banged in five in the last, sorry, seven in the last five and, and Isaac hasn't scored. But maybe Isaac's been slightly out of position and playing him through the middle there would you know with ASM's pace with Murphy's pace on the other side maybe that's going to get the best out of uh, Isaac and he's going to do the unpredictable again that he was yeah. doing before um those last four games yeah exactly. I, agree. I would agree yeah I'd, I'd hate to see St Max by the way I hate that you've put him on there because I, I I'd rather pretend <laughs> he's not on the team because yeah he, he, he terrifies me because he's exactly the thing that we don't want to see. It'd be, be really interesting if Joel Veltman can play and there's a chance he's back for this game. Oh wow! What okay. what happens? Um, but if he does play, he'll get a yellow card within the first fifteen minutes. It's guaranteed. That's just what he does. Um, <laughs> but and, and then there's the other part. Like if Enciso can go, this will look a lot different. But I'm I'm going to watch out for the biggest thing that I'll watch out for here is is if Veltman plays, that will then dictate what then happens there. I'm more scared if you played Wilson and Isaac. It, uh, and both have been incredibly impressive this year. But like uh, Wilson haunts me. I think Keith brought up some of the stats. And Isaac's like, he's a big boy, but so are Duncan Colwell. And I think Wilson's got something else about him that would, that can do other damage to us. Like we're, we're less impacted by those bigger strikers. And the other one is if uh, with Matoma, depending on who's playing on the right, we know what Dan Byrne is and Matoma started against Arsenal on the right and he's not done that. He's played the left exclusively. Um, it didn't work against, against Arsenal. And then he switched back and then CISO went back on the right. Matoma came alive. The first thing he did was destroy Ben White, oh. another former Brighton centre-back who we know quite well. Yeah. So that, I think if there's an opportunity to isolate Dan Byrne at left-back, I wouldn't be shocked to see Matoma play out on the right for a bit and see what happens. 
Uh, th that was that was going to be my last point before we came off the tactics board is talking to Matt Matoma and how you think he's going to fare up against Trippier. But actually, you did. You, you saw him at times on that right-hand side. The, the one thing I'll say, and maybe Keith and Chris will agree with me, is that Byrne has come up against tricky wingers all season. The likes of Saka, the likes of Anthony, uh, many, many others for various different teams. And we've all gone, oh no, he's going to get destroyed down this left-hand side. But what we've seen, and hopefully it's the same again on Thursday, is that actually, for long parts, he's, hold, he's held his ground. Yeah. And he's, 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 you know, he's been right in the game and, and he's been able to manage these players really, really well. He's not won all the battles. Sometimes they've got the better of him down those sides. But for the vast majority of the game, he, he knows how to manage these players really, really well. And, and we're hoping for something similar. So if that does happen, you know, um, I'm sure there'll be a, a, an element of trust that he can he can manage Matoma and deal with him well, especially seeing as, he, you know, last January he was he, he was coming from Brighton and, and, uh, and knows the team and knows how they play. So something to keep an eye on. Um, that's yeah. for sure. But Matoma is definitely the the the, the guy that that we are certainly on the wings that we're looking for. And um, um, Buonanetti, um, if I'm pronouncing that right, is is also a very tricky player and, and can nick a goal here or there. So again, a few things that to keep an eye on with regards to the taxes board. Now, before we um, we uh, just come to predictions. I think, is there a couple of quick five questions that we've got for Adam? Yeah, we've got quite a few, but I'll 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 pick the ones, Adam, that you you you, you can answer pretty quickly. Um, where are we? Which bit of it? Yeah, there we go. Okay, so Tom Dixon asks you, Adam, where do you think you're going to finish this season? God, if I knew that, it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> I a billionaire. Yeah. I would, I would love to see us come in sixth. I would love to see us finish sixth. Um, a lot of that's going to depend on what happens in that Liverpool Villa game, weirdly. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. Uh, Michael Pomar says, um, do you agree, Adam, that it's a must win for both teams or is it just a must not lose? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think we, we've obviously... It might look like we've got more games than you. We have, but obviously one of those is Man City. So it feels like we've got the same amount of games left. Uh, I would weirdly rather be in the spot you are, just given who you've got to play after us. Um, I think if we both got a point from this game, it's not the end of the world. But I'm speaking for you there. I don't know how you'd feel. But I, if I'm in your position, I'd feel confident that I'm getting getting results in the last two games. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um couple of couple of statements. So Daniel Mutch says, um Adam. Oh. Sorry, someone someone's distracted me, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Adam, can we have Ever <laughs> can we have Everton's Brighton and not Arsenal's Brighton? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, is the answer to that one. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't agree more with that. Um Tom Dixon says uh, Newcastle's evening kickoff results under Eddie Howe at home. So it goes Ooh. back to what we were saying before. I just thought I'd throw that in, Adam, before we do our predictions. You know, it's important important to let you know that. Um, and Michael Pomar says, uh, question for Adam, is your passport up to date? 
<laughs> well, funny enough, so I'm I I I was a season ticket. I lived in Brighton for a number of years, season ticket holder for a m- number of years, and I, I I moved out to the US a while back. So, funnily enough, yes, my passport's up to date, and I'd be excited about a European little tour. But I'm actually also going to the Brighton Newcastle preseason game that happens twenty oh, yeah. minutes away from where I live. Uh, so yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, you'll have to update us, Adam. You'll have to yeah, update I'll us. I'll have to let you know what, what 18 yeah. year olds get some game time in the preseason in the New York area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Tom Dixon asked you about uh, Adam. Do you miss uh, Dan Byrne? Yes, yes. Um, how, Craig Lee asks, How long can Brighton keep selling players until they end up like Southampton? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> That's a tough question. Yeah, it is. we talked it about is. that earlier, didn't we? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've got confidence that the people that run the club uh, have their heads in the right place and are incredible at planning. But that's what goes back to what we talked about before. They can only sell so many of the gems at one time before the whole system collapses, and then you're running out a squad of what Southampton did, which is like a bunch of youngsters uh, with one captain. And then it falls apart. Uh, that's that's the thing they just cannot do. Yeah, yeah. I agree, mate. Jordy Tune for Life says, um, and th- th- uh, this is an interesting one because I've read this myself. Is it true that Matoma took a degree in football dribbling? Uh, yeah, he wrote some big old essay on it and did something. Well, so watch out for this on Thursday night. You'll notice that he dribbles weirdly. He dribbles with the ball on his back foot a lot. So like it's almost like he's trailing the ball behind him. And it yeah. gives him time to watch what the opposition does, and then he'll move the ball. It's it's really bizarre to watch. Great, great protection of the ball, though. Yeah, it is. He's um, is uh, honestly, aside from one Basaka, I've not seen a player he can't beat one on one. But Mad. yeah. Very, very last question. Sorry, yeah. this is because this one, this one's new to me. We were talking about that conveyor belt. I don't yeah. even know about this one. Uh, what, <laughs> yeah. who, who's this Yasin Ayari? Yasin Ayari is a, a Swedish guy uh, that we signed not that long ago. Uh, we've not seen much of him. He's only come on for a few minutes, but they're fairly excited about him as well. Um, and by the way, watch out for another one uh, next year. He's on loan at the Belgian club, saint uh Simon Adingra. Um he is playing very, very well. Tricky winger, very good player. He'll be in the squad 100% next year. Excellent. Uh, great to see your um, uh, your input in your in your uh, points of uh, view and your perspective from Brighton. Uh, thank you for joining us, Adam. Really, really do appreciate it. And um, just before you go, prediction for Thursday. Oh God, I thought I'd. Before I say that, I, I just want to tell you how nice it is, by the way, that you guys are in a position. I know it's weird to talk positively about opposite. It's nice to see another team ruffle up the situation at the top of the table and have a fresh club in there, especially one with a history like Newcastle. Have. So I, I, it's, it's great to see. Um, having said that, I hope we beat you on Thursday. Um, <laughs> I, it's all going to come down to who gets the first goal for me. Like If you come out and smash one past us in the first five minutes, we're doomed. I'm going to hope that doesn't happen. And I'm going to hope that we get the possession and we beat you guys 2-1. 
Interesting, interesting. Well, so many in the chat have uh, uh, given their thanks and appreciation to you in the chat. Um, thank you for taking the time to come and join us. Um, and look, no doubt we'll be back talking about this. Maybe in the summer we'll talk about our European adventures um, uh, in, in the nice, summer and build up to the next season. But Adam, we're going to let you go. Thank you for joining us. Cheers, Much Adam. appreciated. Hey, thank you all. Cheers, gents. And thanks for everyone for, that tuned in as well. It's a pleasure. Top man. You take Cheers. care. Speak to you soon. Take care, mate. Great to have Adam in the chat, as always. Um, uh, brilliant perspectives. And obviously, everyone in the chat is really, really respectful with regards to Adam um, being a guest from Together. Uh, BHA. So if you, you've you not um, following them on social media and you're not following their channel, make sure you do so. Um, they give out some fantastic content. And uh, I have to say, we haven't really talked about it tonight, but... Uh, um, uh, are Luton winning? Are they, are they winning? 2-0? 2-0. time. I was just saying there before, this could be a long night for SAFC. Could this one go to penalties? Yeah, yeah. Scope on Keith. Mm, maybe. maybe. By the way, on the subject of Luton, have either of you seen Luton's away, away um, entrance <laughs> for the fans? It's an amazing oh, stadium, Pete. isn't it? Ken- Kenworth Road. <laughs> Mate, honestly, like keeps laughing. Honestly, it, it it's literally on the it's in the middle of a housing estate. So when you're going up the step, you've got to go through this little archway. When you go through this through the through the archway and up the steps, there's like houses either side. Like it's like you're in a back garden. It's it's mad. I'll have to send you the picture it, of it. It was it was a top flight it was a top flight stadium as well at the start of the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, what yeah. about 1990, 1991? Uh, Luton were in the t- uh, in the the old first division before the Premier League, and then everything stopped. <laughs> they stopped, and like everything's moved on, and they're still exactly the same as what they were before. But just imagine that at the Premier League next season. Oh, Surely man. they're going to have to improve their security. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Surely, it's all real. Can you but, imagine uh, Man United, Man United, a waste support rocking up at that stadium? What it would be like oh. trying to all hem through the away end. We love the grads to take off, though, way. Eh? Yeah. Never, never been to, but I've, I've certainly never been to um, Kennel Throw before, but it would be nice to, nice to have a grad to take off. But uh, interesting. Great stuff. Great stuff um, from, from you guys, as always. And I don't know if there's any questions in there. With regards to us, that maybe we could answer Newcastle related. I don't yes, know. we've got one here from Brett. Um, and Brett says, Any thoughts about the ref being from Merseyside? We did see this before the show tonight. And um, actually, um, there is some concerns because uh, I think he was, is he um, part of the Wirral FA? Um yeah, I think he's part of the Wirral FA. And, uh, yeah, it's, it just... I don't know why they... Why do they do it? Why do they do this? They could have had any referee across the country to come and referee this game on Thursday. But they choose a referee, not just any referee, but a referee that's based in the Northwest, based in Liverpool, and is part of the Wirral FA. Like... You couldn't get any closer. 
to Liverpool. And it just, it just, this is why Newcastle fans feel the way they do about this whole situation. But if he was pushed, if he was pushed, he'd probably say he was a Tramia fan. If he was pushed. Well, well, we saw we saw the exact same thing, didn't we? With last season. How, oh no! In fact, uh, no, it wasn't last season. It was the start of this season, because um, it was wasn't it wasn't it Mike Dean who refereed? Was it this season no. or was that last season? Mike Dean. Yeah. He's got he's got two young lads who've got Liverpool season tickets. Yeah, I think it was last season. Yeah, last season he he was definitely refereeing last season. That was yeah. the game where we went one 0 up through Shelby and we lost three one. And when Trent scored that goal and Mike Dean ran in front ran in front of the ball as he hit it, and they were like, No, nah, he wasn't impeding the goalie, it was fine. It it was and and the one where um was it Shaw who went down injured holding his head and he kept Josser on side. Yeah, yeah. But like he was like, Oh, I didn't know he had a head injury and he was holding his head. It it just stunk. It just stunk. But like you say, Pete, it's ridiculous that you know, how many referees are there knocking around and they'd go, Oh yeah, let's get the one from Merseyside. Crazy. I just think I just think there should be like no clear link at all, almost, you know. Yeah, if yeah. there's any sort of question, I don't know how you would do it if there's a regional thing or something like that where, you know, as you say, you you know, if there's any sort of conflict of interest or what could be construed as conflict of interest, you you just cut it out. And I, I just think the Premier League would be so much better if they did that really. Where obviously you look at it, there's a, there's a rival side from your neck of the woods that's um, that's going for a top six or going for a place like that, and you think, right, okay, we'll we'll get a Cockney referee in it or something like that, who, who doesn't have a t- any ties to any of the clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Johnson just said, do we do we really need to ask why they do it? <laughs> Look, I don't think we need new no. need to ask. There's too, been too many decisions like that close to the close to the nail that that have been happening for a couple of years now that. You know, it always seems to have gone against us. But look, we're just going to have to ride the wave, uh, unfortunately. Anything else, Chris? We've got three more questions and there's one I want to add on. So I'm going to add that one at the end because there was a question. Because something popped up on my phone before and I was like, ooh, this goes back to a link from previous. But anyway, I'll come to that at the end. So question for you and Keith. Uh, would you rather Liverpool or Man or Man join us in the Champions League if we were to secure Champions League. Michael, I'm being very hesitant when I'm saying this. Keith, what are your thoughts about that? Who are you going for? If I'm looking at it as a neutral on the basis of their full seasons and I'm not looking at anything that affects Newcastle and how either side have affected Newcastle as a neutral, I would say Man United because I just think you know, they've been there or thereabouts most of the season. Um, I think Liverpool have had that run that I said they would have, but on the balance of play, how in and out Liverpool have been, beating Man United 7-0 one week, losing away the following week 1-0, they were two up and down for me, and I think Man United have been more consistent. I would prefer it to be Man United. Uh, I know Liverpool will come good again next year and anyway, so I'd prefer it to be Man United. If you're asking me, I and the reason why I say this and I'll explain it, I would much rather Man United get Champions League than Liverpool. And the reason being is because with Liverpool's lack of investment or lack of money available, they're a team that not that we can overtake straight away, but by not them not getting Champions League football hampers them that benefits us more. 
And that might not make sense to people, but actually, you know, they haven't got the money, for example, to go and spend on a Jude Bellingham, for example, because they can't afford him and they can't afford certain players. Whereas Man United have always got money to go and spend and invest. But for me, we're looking at where we can get above certain teams as quickly as possible in order to climb that ladder. We're almost doing that with Tottenham right now. We're not necessarily doing it with Chelsea because they'll always spend money and they'll always be in and around that 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 talking point. But we need to slowly start to build and overtake certain teams. And I think we've done that or we're doing that with Tottenham right now. I think with the lack of investment with Liverpool or the lack of money available to invest, I think them being out of the Champions League benefits us more than it would be if they got Champions League and Man U dropped out. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd yeah, I, I just like to say as well, it would be interesting as a dynamic as well to see what effect it would have on Klopp if Liverpool don't get Champions League. Because I know they didn't in the first season, but they got the Liverpool were on the way up in that first, his first season. What would it do with the media and everything on Liverpool if Liverpool didn't get Champions League? In the COVID season, when they were defending champions, they, they had an awful stop, but they still managed to put that run together like they're doing now, and they managed to go above Man United and finish third. What would it do to Klopp and everything? Because we've seen them reacting to stress a lot this season. If yeah. they finished fifth, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. That he, they are going all out for Champions League. There is no doubt about it. He's playing it down, but they are desperate to get Champions League football. They know the money, the players, everything holds on the fact that they can get Champions League. But they also know that they're not in control of their destiny. So we have to ensure from a Newcastle perspective that we don't give them any reason to get back into it. We cannot afford for them to 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 replace us in those positions. And that's equally to Liverpool's development and growth, but equally more importantly for our development and growth. But so that's my that's my point. It's a nice, just in case you're interested, it's a nice easy answer for me. I would prefer to be in the Champions League with Man United because I'm enjoying being top dog uh, in Liverpool here at the moment and I want to continue being top dog. And I think if we get Champions League football and Liverpool don't, um, yeah, are, uh, Liverpool fans' asses will go because it will. we will go like that and they will stay probably about here. And I think, I think that will have a big impact on us. So I agree with you boys entirely. Um, interesting one from Rich Doblin. So Rich Doblin says, yeah, Madison couldn't get around the pitch, would have to seriously up his engine to work in an Eddie House side. Pete, Keith, do you agree with that? Go on, Keith. What do you think? That's an most observation. Um, do you think as well it, it really affects a player playing in a bad side that's fighting off relegation and for a season or two as well, struggling a bit like Madison. Um, is he the player he was? You know, is he, you know, could he still come and do, take Newcastle at that next level? Because there's no doubt about it, the demands Howe would put on him in terms of intensity and getting up the pitch and everything, the, the forward press, it would be expected of him. Um, mm. Yeah. What do you think, Pete? Um, look, you, you know my opinions on Madison. Um, what I will say is, 
is that none of the Leicester players are playing well at the moment. None of them are. doesn't mean that they're bad players. They're just not playing well. However, I have seen snippets of Madison that shows me that he is still there. He's still producing his quality. There were certain pieces of play during the game against Liverpool that I was really impressed with. Mm. Um, but if you're expecting James Madison to be full fl- fully fledged, running, sprinting, pressing, high intensity, you're not going to get that. He's never done that in his career. And that's not why I want James Madison at Newcastle United. However, what I want James Madison at Newcastle United for is because his creativity, his ball play makes the difference. Now, you look at our midfield currently and you've got Joe Linton that's all action, runs all over the pitch, covers every blade of grass and it's great to see Joe Willick the same. But within those two players, what they lack is composure. They lack quality in terms of final ball. They lack finishing. They lack crossing. They lack so many different areas that I think James Madison could come in and make a difference with. Um, And look, this is not just about James Madison. There are other players out there. Um, Chris, we've talked about players um, that are are equal or, or even better ability. But if you're looking at James Madison to be that high intensity press guy, that's not it. And actually, what you're, what I, what I genuinely, genuinely believe, Newcastle, what you're going to see over the next year is an evolution of Newcastle, in that you're not going to get a full team of players that are going to run and sprint all over the place. But what you're going to get is, is players of quality on the ball that are going to be able to dictate play, that are going to be able to um, hold possession, that are going to be able to pass and distribute the ball well. You'll have your intensity in there because that's part of our DNA, but you're not going to get every player that's going to be like that. And if we're going to evolve and be better as a team, we need players that are going to make the difference at the top end of the pitch, that are going to be creative, that are going to find a winning pass, that are going to have a moment from a free kick or a cross or a corner, whatever, that's going to make a difference. And I think James Madison offers you that. Now, as we've already said, with so many other players. We talk about it all the time with, with, with Anthony Gordon. Oh, Eddie Howe's going to make him into a good player. Well, James Madison's there in terms of Anthony He's Gordon. He's already doing it and put up. there. So if Eddie Howe gets a hold of him, if he's already there with Anthony Gordon, as an example, who's to say that we can't put him there? That's all I'll say. You're not, you're not buying potential with James Madison. You're buying yeah. somebody, as as Pete said, who's already there, who's has the end product. 18 goals last season, you know, 10 this season and a poor Leicester a side that's not playing well in 30 appearances. Yeah. And Yano just put in the chat, Madison's not what we need. We need a holding midfielder. I'll be honest, Yano, I think we need both. And I think we'll get both in the summer. That's my opinion. I've set, I've put it out there. I think we'll get six or seven players. We need two central midfielders. Yeah. We do. We, we do. do. I, I think I think we'll get six or seven players in the summer. I think four of them will be first team ready players. I'm not expecting six or seven first team ready players. I think three or four of them will be first team ready players. Players that will come into the team and improve what we already have there and then. And the others will buffer the squad. 
but there's no reason why we can't get both. There's no reason why we can't have a James Madison in, in, in this team. And there's no reason why we can't go out there and get a number six that holds this midfield, that allows us to play, that can push Bruno up the pitch, that, that gives Longstaff a, a competition for his place. And we build as a squad and our squad naturally gets bigger and we've got more options off the back of that. Yeah, I agree, mate. Right, so last question. And I'm going to tag on to the end of Jimmy Watt's question here. So Jimmy Watt asks, or says, Newcastle are looking favourite to sign Kieran Tierney from Arsenal. Um, what I want to add on to that is a message came through on my phone earlier today saying from Sky Sports saying that Real Madrid want Bellingham, Mbappe and Alfonso Davis. And then this brought me back to last summer when we were talking about... Uh, Phil and Mendy. Or was it in January? It might have been January. If Real Madrid are going for Alfonso Davis, is there a possibility? Is there a window for us to maybe go for Phil and Mendy? I mean, what do, what do you boys think of that? What are the opportunities? Would you, given the choice, would you be, would are you happy with, um, with Kevin Tierney? Would you, would you be more inclined to go for Phil and Mendy? Keith, I'll start with you, mate. Yeah, I mean, sort of Turney's came in for a lot of criticism, I think, for Sunday, hasn't he, against Brighton and sort of um, I'm thinking, you know, Arteta's looking for the overhaul, isn't he, for the, you know, what, and Turney's meant to be one of the eye marked. I'm not sure Turney comes to Newcastle, really. I think maybe, again, it'll be somebody from outfield, really left field. That seems to be the decision-making um, that the owners seem to have gone in, really the direction they seem to go in. And I'm not sure if Arsenal would let them come to Newcastle. So um, certainly on Turney, I don't think that one happens. Uh, and I just think there'll be somebody left field that comes to the club in that yeah. position. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, no, 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 no pun intended. Pete, <laughs> <laughs> um, just to add into that, do you know what? Keith raises a really good point there. No one's actually said that. We keep getting linked with Kieran Tierney. Um, there's rumours that Kieran Tierney's, you know, high on the high on the wish list. Uh, he wants to come. We want him. Is there is there a possibility that Arsenal just say no? Don't want him to join Newcastle. It, you know, Arsenal obviously rate him. Arsenal, Arsenal paid a lot of money for him. Um, is there a possibility that Arsenal go? No, do you know what? We want him to go to a different team in the Premier League who maybe aren't as close rivals. Uh, do they want him to go abroad? Obviously, they bought him from Celtic, didn't they, in, in Scotland? Do, do, would, do they want to compete with Kieran Tierney? Or will they just be like, do you know what? I don't want him anywhere near our Premier League rivals. That's a, that's a good point that uh, Keith raises there. Great point. But there's also an argument that they won't care. And it's for the exact reason that you've just put out there. Uh, in that um, Real Madrid have come out today and they said, they want three players, and one of them is Alfonso Davis. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Alfonso Davis, Mbappe, and Bellingham. And straight away, an alternative link has come out in that Fernand Mendy is going to go to Arsenal. Oh. That's what I've seen. Ah. So I've seen that Fernand Mendy is likely to go to Arsenal with regards to uh, uh, that, that deal happening. So if Alfonso Davis goes to Real Madrid, Mendy 
who has been in and out of that Real Madrid team over yeah. the first year, goes to Arsenal. Is he going to want to compete with Zinchenko? Um, I think he's better than Zinchenko. In my oh, opinion. yeah, no, I agree, I agree. But you know, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here, Pete. You know, I love doing that. Yeah. Eddie yeah. Howe's offering him first team football. Is, is Phil and Mendy going to keep Dan Byrne and Matt Target out the team? I think we know. I think we know the answer to that question. Definitely, but I also think Kieratini keeps those players out of the team. Oh yeah, yeah. I genuinely think so. Yeah, and yeah. I, 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 and this is goes back to my point is that I think Arsenal won't necessarily care if he goes to Newcastle because they're getting a player that they feel is better than what they've already got, and if yeah. they get money for Kieratini. Um, and decent money for him, that almost pays a chunk of the fee off. So for them, it's a win-win. And look, they've done it before. They've done Jesus and Zinchenko, and they've 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 bought players from Man City, and they've sold players on to other clubs. They've done it before. This is this is all kind of a, a roundabout. You know, if it was Tottenham, for example. If it was West Ham, if it was another team, they would be more inclined to not deal with us because we're in direct rivalry. Mm. Um, Arsenal see themselves as beyond us because they've been so close to the title. Now, for me, I think they would be more inclined to sell Kiarantini. Kiarantini, and it's already been rumoured that he is um, he's putting out there that he's, he's homesick, he wants to play further north, he wants to be closer to Scotland. What better way is coming to Newcastle? There's no, there's no better outpost, is there really, if you want to be exactly. closer to Scotland? is only a short drive away from, from being at home and being near to his family. Now, um, is he the only option? No. Now, a player that Yano talked about, he just put it on the screen, uh, Anthony Robinson from, from Fulham, is a player yeah. that we've talked about before. Now, I was talking to, I thought he would be a really good option. I was talking to someone on social media and they, they watch Fulham all the time and they said he's not, he, he's not as good as what people think. And they pointed out a couple of things to me that I watched and I watched him closely for a number of weeks after that point. And actually... He didn't really impress me. That's not to say he's not a good player, but there were certain elements to his game that I, certain holes that I saw in his game that, that concerned me. However, just to add, me, sorry, just to tag on to that, Pete, you know, could you play in the fact that he was at Wigan previously? Mm-hmm. And his big move was Fulham. There yeah. was rumours of bigger clubs and he ended up at Fulham. Sorry, carry on. But, you know, you're absolutely right with that. Now, a player that I would have above Anthony Robinson is the player that Michael Palmer mentioned. And oh. he, same player, the same player. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and honestly, honestly, he has gone under the radar. I think he's 26, 27 right now. But I tell you what, if anybody's watched Brentford this season in detail and watched the way he plays, I've watched him quite a lot this season now because I've been intrigued about, uh, about Brentford. I've watched... Um, Matthias Jensen quite a lot, um, and uh, in in watching him, I've come across um, I've come across Rico Henry, who I watched last season as well, and thought he was a top top player. But he seems to have developed his game. He would be a player that I would be really interested in because I think he's ready to step up his game. I think he's ready to step up from Brentford and play at a high level. I really, really do, and I think. Rico Henry has everything you want in a left back and in an attacking left back. He can defend, he can get forward. He's got a great cross on him. 
He can score a goal. He's not the tallest, but he puts himself about and he gets stuck in. I think he's a really interesting and intriguing target to look out for. And look, Brentford haven't got haven't got loads and loads of money. So a fee being put down for Rico Henry at 26, 27 could well do the deal. Not saying he's the only target. There are others in Europe that are out there that are, that I think we could get hold of. But yeah, Jordan Tim Flav, he is a very impressive left back. And he being in the mould of what Eddie Howe wants, a Premier League experienced player, all that stuff, it kind of feeds in quite nicely. Um, so he's one to look out for. Marco Palmer, Jordan Tim Flav have mentioned him. Um, you know, um, the mighty mighty win is put um Grimaldo, Grimaldo's he, he, he's already agreed a, a deal with Leverkusen. He's already going going there, um, and he's he's built of a similar mould. To be fair, um, but yeah, look with left back, I've got to be honest. I have no idea who Newcastle are going to go for. It could be Tierney, it could be Rico Henry, it could be Ant and Anthony um, Robinson. It could be someone we've not even talked about. It could be anybody, but they're just a few players that I've I've seen. It's funny, isn't it? Because when we we talk about left backs, and you're right, it could be anyone. It's funny with the with the with the uh, with the central midfielders. I kind of feel like it could be the ones that we've mentioned. Like I kind of because they just they just tick all the boxes, and I just feel I feel like you know we're not far off. Even with the wingers, not not far off. Um, you know the likes of Musa Diaby and players like that. But yeah, the left back one is it's 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 a random one, isn't it? It could it could just be totally left field as Keith said, um, just somebody completely random who we're not expecting. Definitely, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. But um, guys, we're at the point that we're going to put out our predictions for the game on Thursday. Chris, I'll come to you first. What do you think the score is going to be? Um, come what quarter to ten, ten o'clock on Thursday evening. Oh, sorry. Craig Lee's just said uh, Borna Sosa. Pete? Yeah, he's one of the European players. We've talked about him so much. Um, He's a talented, talented boy. Um, One of another option. Yeah, one one of another. Absolutely. Um, I want to try. I need to keep positive with this. Positive frame, man. And I think if we see the lineup that we mentioned before with Isaac up top, Murphy on the right, ASM on the left, I feel really confident. Um, I am going to say 2 0, and I think that we get that clean sheet that we're all desperately after. There you go. Was I here? Same. Totally agree, mate. Totally agree. I'm going to say 2 0, Newcastle, and I think Isaac gets a brace. Interesting. Interesting. 2 0 to the tune, clean sheet as well. Happy days. Um, I'm going to go Newcastle United win 2 1. In a very tight game, uh, five margins, Newcastle take the lead, Brighton equalise and Newcastle take the lead again. Um, scorers, no idea. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting um, how we um, <laughs> how we see this one. Uh, but look, of course, we come to the, the last prediction. He's here. Uh, we know. We know. He is ready. 
<laughs> it's just so dramatic. Tension music. <laughs> I feel like I'm on Mastermind or something with this. <laughs> Keep playing it. <laughs> I kept playing it because I thought it was great. Um, what about what about the one above it as well? Have we got the other one? Yeah, we have. We have. Just bear with me. You ready? You ready? Your drum roll. Come on, Keith. Come on, Keith. Keith. I'd just like to point out, I'd just like out all these doom and gloom, I'd just like to point out five out of ten of the last results uh, I've got right on this show. And I've only predicted one defeat in that ten. I've predicted positive results for Newcastle in those nine of those ten games. So... Stato's um, coming out fighting. I love it. Um, it's a really difficult one to call. I'm more in a positive frame of mind because of Tom Dixon's um, message there at the start earlier himself about the yes. midweek games under the lights. Um, yeah. I think Newcastle will be fired up for this. I think Eddie Howe will have Newcastle fired up. Bright, not such a difficult team to play against, though. Probably the most unpredictable difficult um, game to call in and difficult opponent in the Premier League for so many clubs. I'm going to go and I'm going to keep the chatters happy. I want Newcastle to win. I think they could win. I agree with you what you were saying there about Isaac. I don't think it'll be a clean sheet because they haven't kept a clean sheet for a while now, two months. Um, I think Brighton will score, and I'm going to keep the I'm going to keep the chatters happy. So it'll be a, another draw because if I my rationale behind that is if I make if I predict a draw, Newcastle could win. So I'll just keep saying draw until they win, until they get that Champions League qualification. I'll just keep saying draw. Will I? <laughs> Look at Michael Pover. Don't you dare say a win, Keith. Yeah, don't, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll go don't draw. I'll, I'll I'll say it's a draw. I'll keep saying draw <laughs> so they keep winning. <laughs> So they get winning on the road, so yeah. Love it, love it. It was like going, please say a draw. Should please. I just should I just hold up a sign at every prediction and just with a big one sign one. and say a draw? One more. One more and everyone feels safe. Yeah. It's almost like a caca celebration. Yeah. Put it to the sky. One one. Oh, we've got to tell Daz that. <laughs> Keith, we're gonna to have to get a picture of you looking to the sky with your one-one, and yeah. everything will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Fine. We'll get that. We'll get that sorted. I'll just, you know, I'll just sort of mimic the legendary Kaka. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Kaka, one-one, one-one. <laughs> Love it. Everything's gonna be fine. Love it. Love it. Here's Love a quick it. one. Here's a quick one for you. The last fifteen or so years, your top three or, f- or top five goal celebrations, iconic goal celebrations. And Ooh. don't worry about order or anything. Just say your favorite goal celebrations. Okay. Um, oh, top five. Um, I used to love the David Beckham celebration. It's one of those ones where you used to do the old. 
and then just have his arms out, arms yeah. out wide. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, of course, the big owl. The big owl. The big hand. owl. You can't not see the big owl. The big owl hand. Um I like I like the Bobby Keane. He used to do his, his really poor rollover and then he'd go. Yeah, the I like that one. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I like that one. I like that one. And I like the the one uh, I'm trying to think who does it. No, do you know what? I seen it the other day on Premier League years. And I, I thought I, I used to love that celebration. Yeah, was it um oh what's his name? It's gonna really annoy me. I'll I'll do it and you'll know what it is. He, it was the Man City striker and he'd run over to the crowds and he'd just be pointing at all different people in the crowds. Oh yeah, it's um what's his name? Oh what's his name? Begins with M. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, the Portsmouth, he, he was Portsmouth, was it Portsmouth? And he was a Portsmouth. Yeah, um, what's his name? Oh my god, people in the chat, help us out, please. I love, um, I love, I love that celebration. Is it, love um, that. is it Benjani? Benjani, Benjani, yeah, it's yeah. maybe his first name's um, yeah, Benjani. Benjani. Love that, he just point. Oh. I thought it was brilliant. That brilliant. great celebration. Um, there was who else was there? Obviously. It was, some people might not like it, but I like this. Uh, yeah. Ronaldo, yeah, he's my yeah. guy. I love him. Um, I love that celebration. Uh, who else We've got Oba Femi Martins doing the somersault. Oh. We've got Kit Bayer kicking yeah, the ball. Um, add to that, 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 that Loire Loire as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loire Loire. Loire Loire and Oba Martins. 100%. Bobby the Hordings. That only happened once, though. Is that is that no. a it's synonymous, though, isn't it? If um, someone does it, you go and do it in the Katspire. Peter, Peter Crouch, the Robo Crouch. You know? Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Craig League, typical. Robbie Fowler sniffing the line. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so not. Right, it's yeah. not Premier League La Liga. Messi with the uh, in front of the Madrid fans with his shirt. Oh, with the shirt, yeah. But Ronaldo did the same as well. Ah, but that was trademarked yeah. at the time. It was copyrighted at the time. Yeah. It was just copycatting. <laughs> Aspria, of course. Oh, my yeah. God. With the flag. Aspria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, lo- there's loads, isn't there? Loads of you know what? Ones. You know what I love? The Shola, Kieran Dyer, Genus, the old... Oh, Every, yeah. Everybody, all oh. of the young'uns were doing that, weren't they? And that, between, like, O2 to O4, the wall doing the... That weren't there. I loved yeah. it. Loved that celebration. And you know what? My celebration uh, in the last few years, well, well, I say the last few years that I was playing um, myself, is that I used to do the old Yakubu, the old Yakubu uh, celebration. Yeah, yeah, Yakubu. Like it, it got turned into something else when an Elka did it because it meant something else. But when Yakubu did it, like it was that, so I I used to do that. Like as my celebration, yeah. I, used to to, I never used to do what it meant, but I used to do that. I used I to love it. it. Loved it. We've got dentist chair. We've got Papi Cisse yeah, in Denver Bar when they put the head on the floor. They were they were class that, and it, they had yeah. such a great run as well, didn't they? Because it was like Denver made it his own, and then when they were saying Cisse, he went on a hot run and he was doing it as well. It was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. We got Cantona. I remember Cantona when he scores, and then just turned round and just took the applause. That was against uh, Sunderland four 0 with the, that brilliant goal at the stretch end. Oh, it was amazing! Amazing. Um, what about? Uh, we didn't see it very often, but the um, uh, Gutierrez, the Spider Man. Oh yeah, yeah. I just remember when we signed him, and there was an article I was reading at the time shortly afterwards saying he did this celebration. 
and I wanted him to score for ages. It took like a season and a half, but to eventually score yeah. and see the mask. Um, we've got the Wilson Macarena. Ah uh, yeah, I think I like that. I think like the. Can you remember as well? I mean, obviously he didn't play for Newcastle. He played for Man, Man United. Lee Sharp was well one of the pioneers when he used to yeah. do like an Elvis shuffle or something by the corner flag. He has one for yeah. you, Tim Cahill. I like that. I was going to say just about to say that. Flag. Do you like that one? Yeah. Do you like that one? I did. And Mooney, Mooney done it when um, when Phil Bardsy knocked him out in the kitchen. <laughs> he went like that and they just fell. That was that was good as well. What would you say about the Rooney celebration against Man City? The old to the, the away fans. Ah, uh, yeah, no, nah, that, that was good. What's Jimmy Jimmy Bullard for uh, Hull City? Oh yeah, when the, he was the, season, the, Phil Brown. the season after Phil Brown, I yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Oh, Do you know what? By the way, I just to add in, going slightly off topic. You know that um that Rooney goal. It's funny. Every time I watch that Rooney goal back, as in you know live, you know the way they just show it and it scores. I always think, nah, I'm not having that. that. That wasn't as good as what people make out. And oh no, sorry, tell light. No, it's after. Oh, Michael, <laughs> it's a good celebration. Come on, it is a good celebration. Don't show Martin that because he'll just he'll just go off on one. Um, no, I've said it in reverse. Sorry. On the adverts on the Premier League, they always show the Rooney goal in slow mo. And when I watch it back, I always go, he shinned it. You know what I mean? Like he's hitting yeah. whatever. I was watching a program the other day and it showed it. It kept showing it in real time. And you know, the more you see it in real time, you just go, now what a goal that was. Like it, it like it, the fact that it's bounced off the player's head when the ball gets whipped in and he still managed to, you know, get himself up and have a crack at it. And when you see it real time, it looks well better than when you slow it down. Because on Sky Sports, you slow it down. And I just see it in the shin. And I, I, for ages, I've just gone, nah, not very good, that. I don't know why people buzz off it so much. And then I've seen it live a couple of times, you know, like in, you know, in the normal play. And um, it was a great goal. Oh, the Adebayor. Oh, my God. That is iconic. Yeah. Yeah. He's sprinting he over to the away yeah. fans for like 10 minutes. He, he just never, keeps going and going. He never sprinted as fast as he did at that point in his whole yeah. career. Yeah. When he scored that goal at the opposite end against Arsenal, I've never seen him run so fast to go on his knees to the Arsenal fans there and do that. That was iconic. Unbelievable. Unreal. Unreal. Uh, and the, the Balotelli the well. face. Yeah, Balotelli. Yeah. White. Why always me? Why always me? It was always him. Always him. Um yeah, so many is a good question, Lucky. Good question. We'll have to think of we'll have to think yeah, of more for I mean, the next show. I know it's a different show, but have they done a top ten goal celebrations the must have? Because yeah. they've got hundreds they've got they've done hundreds of them now, haven't they? Top tens, yeah. right right Ian Shearer and that. But that that'd be good if they haven't already done it. Goal celebrations. You're right. Oh my God, the Ian Wright. Ian Wright's got so many celebrations. Can you remember? Can you remember the one at West Ham? Did the do? Can you remember after Decanio got sent off, but and he got all of the, you know, for the pushing incident, the mimic that or something the following week or something, didn't they? Yeah, I'm sure yeah, they did the, as well. The, the pushing and the fall over. Yeah. And do you remember the um, talking about Keith? Do you remember the the Suarez? <laughs> Was it the Suarez one when Suarez scored and they accused him of diving and he just ran in front of David Moyes and just jumped on the floor? Oh yes, Suarez just dives himself oh, yeah, right from the floor. Yeah, you see yeah. David Moyes yeah. like glaring at him. Oh, that's brilliant. That. brilliant. And then there's the Walcott one against Tottenham. Um, 
where he, 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 I think he scores a couple of goals and then he gets stretched off, but he's kind of like, he's doing the old 2-0 as he's getting stretched off. <laughs> yeah, I think he had a bad injury as well. So he's, he's doing the old 2-0 as he gets stretched round from the away and he's doing that with a big smile on his face. Um, Thierry Henry's had some great celebrations. The old... Um, the, the, yeah. knee slide, <sighs> the, the knee slide in that iconic goal in the three, I think it was three 0 in the Invincible season, Arsenal against Tottenham. Yeah, and they made they made and a statue out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he scored. He scored at the far end and ran to the to the Tottenham fans and he did the old knee slide. Like, I'm, I'm sure he did that. And uh, yeah, to be fair, he's done a few. Tell you what, Klinsman. Oh, sorry, Klinsman. Yeah, Klinsman. Klinsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We could go on all day, man. No, can, you always, remember, always... can you remember Shira against Blackburn as well when he actually didn't do the... Yeah. <laughs> he... yeah. And there was another one as well when he dived. I think he that, dived yeah. as well. Another one as well. I think he dived in one of them games against, away against Blackburn as well. Yeah, I remember that. I remember watching it, I... Yeah, I remember watching it on TV when he did that. I, I was uh, shocked. Yeah, no. I was thinking, is, is everything all right? Because he's he's not done the arms aloft. He's like he's doing the old yeah. the halfway line. I loved it. Yeah, in answer to Craig Lee's question, I'm sure he did that twice, didn't he? Because yeah, the yeah, he first did. time, I think it was his first season for Rangers, and somebody pulled up against the car, like you know, a Celtic fan, and said, "Gaza, if you do that again, mind." And I think he did it. I'm sure he did it one more time in a defeat for against. Or some, he did something, and it was shortly before he left for Borough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But no, some some brilliant, some brilliant celebrations over JJ. the years. JJ. Yeah, JJ Kocha was sick. Nigerian dances. Oh, yeah. Tiote yeah. Arsenal. Roger Roger Miller in the uh, it's World Cup as well, but Roger Miller. Yeah, um, the 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 old um, the, the 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 leg the leg raise the the um, oh, there was the the Nigerian team. Uh, I think, was it '94 World Cup where they're kind of like they're doing the cat, like they yeah. they're crawling as a cat, and then they do the the, the leg raise. The, the babies yeah. at the same World Cup, the battle, and <laughs> as well against um, Holland quarter final. That was another one. Oh. Jesus iconic, Christ. absolutely iconic. Darty Tang's mentioned Sorry. there the Ravenelli. Sorry, I've I've nicked it. Yeah. I've oh no. It. Yeah, the Ravenelli. Yeah. Love the Ravenelli. But yeah, Jacob Murphy this season, hands down. Yeah. Like he was as shocked as all as all as we all of we uh, we were. It was a uh, that was that was good. I I also like the um the Gabriel Jesus one. You know the way he always goes like that. Yeah. And I read somewhere that that's him saying to his ex girlfriend who binned him off. And he's going to a call me, call me, because she get she she dumped him when he was there uh, when he was on his rise to football stardom, and she dumped him, and he uh, he he always he always kind of says, oh I bet you I bet you wish she didn't dump me, and that's him apparently saying to her, call me, in jest obviously. Uh, Lisa with the old clock with the hammy pull, uh, yeah, yeah, love that one. That was more yeah. recent, um, and then the Tiote. Um, goal with the Steve Harper Harper um, rock uh, the people's elbow uh, to, to the that was awful the, yeah it, it was awful it, the floor. it was a wrestler related celebration so I'll take it all day long the RKO when, when some one? players were doing that in Scotland can you remember that can you remember that yeah. when people were doing the RKOs all of a sudden yeah 
There was a few in Scotland that did that. Rob, that Rob, this, yeah. Robbie Elliott chicken as well. Adam, Adam Bailey done it, yeah, because that, that was a that was a creepy one, that one, wasn't it? But it was good. Baffertimi Gomez. He was scary at Baffertimi Gomez. Yeah. But it was a good one. He, he, he to be fair, we'd have loved it if he'd come to Newcastle. We'd have yeah, loved it. yeah, yeah. He was a good player. Good player, mm. Gomez. He went to, um, I think it was the Saudi League. Was it the Saudi League? Yeah. Or the, or the Chinese League. He went too early. Went too early. Can yeah. you remember? Can you remember Batistuta, Gabriel Batistuta for, for oh, Fiorentina? What a player! What a player! What a player! He's a unbelievable player! Unbelievable! He, he's one of them that you wished that had come to the Premier League because Gabby Gold was just unbelievable. He Such always a, seemed to like score that, against like English well. English opposition in the Champions League, like United and Arsenal as well. Batistuta yeah. as well at the time. Pause. Don't get it. I'm not having that. Forget parts. It was just so bad, though, the way he did it. <laughs> and then he scored and he lost. It was brilliant. But yeah. Yeah, he probably how always forget that. How have we done half an hour longer than we should have? <laughs> this is the problem. I say this I to you every week, Chris. Like, we enjoy it, don't we? It's that pipe bomb question at the end, wasn't it? That last question. <laughs> I'm blaming you, Chris, for this tonight. I'm blaming you. For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you put the question out there. I did. Well, no, Keith's on the celebration mob. Keith, Keith was the one who okay. was the celebration mob. I think that's kicked it off, Keith. So we blame you this week, Keith. But if if you if your prediction of one one doesn't come in and we win, all is forgiven. Why all always me? <laughs> Why, Why always me? me? Why? <laughs> Why? Why? You have to get down the t-shirt next week, Keith. You need to bring that sign in. Uh, let's see what we can do. Uh, Why always me? That is <laughs> Daz. If you're watching right now. Clip it, you know what to do. Why always me? Uh, double O Stato. But look, everyone in the chat has been amazing. Thank you so much for all your support um, with the channel. Great questions tonight. Great talking points. Adam from um, Together BHA, absolutely superb. Keith, Double O Stato, Jaws, <laughs> whichever one you want to call him, but we know him as Double O Stato, the main man. Keith, absolute pleasure as always to have you on. And superb, always, always, and of course, this wouldn't be possible without the main man right next to me, the old Brandy and Blaze, uh, Chrissy Hall. Great to have you on, as always. You are top man. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We're going to let you go and enjoy the night, and hopefully, we are going to be seeing Luton getting to um, a playoff final very, very shortly. But guys, until then, you take care. We do love playing away. Guys, of course, how do we like that?